can still be interested in me. No, I've always been a leg man. <laughs> so if I have my legs cut off, you still love me, right? Bit kinky, but yes. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to this week's novel ideas of the illiterati. We have here Michael and myself. That was a weird way to say it. Howdy. <laughs> It and, was, uh, but we're going with it. Shut up. So we're covering Color Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft and the movie that was made based off this story, albeit modernized. But we'll get into pros and cons as we do. This story is really fantastic. And oh, I want to give a shout out to the Spotify Vault of Lovecraft because they actually have all of the short stories in audio form, so you can just listen to them, and it's really amazing. What? It's well narrated, I know. What? You didn't tell me... <laughs> Fuck you. I discovered this last night. You be, you're, telling me, you're telling me I had to read this with my eyes? No, I mean, I finished it up with my eyes. I feel like I absorb certain things better if I can see them, but it is very beautifully narrated, so definitely hit it up for yeah. other, other spooky stories you might need this Halloween. Yeah, I can imagine that H.P. Lovecraft... Uh, narration being really good just because of the way he writes honestly i kind of think the way that he writes works better listening than reading oh for sure and i also think authors in this time intended for a lot of the stories to be read out loud you see that a lot with um everything edgar Allan poe wrote as well right it's more um folk telling than than writing which is very much what hp lovecraft and edgar Allan did which, shout out to those New England boys. Whoop, whoop. All these haunted New England folk. Creepy motherfuckers writing creepy stories. <laughs> oh, uh, so, so when I lived in Providence, I actually got to... Uh, there's a library there that Edgar Allan helped start back in the 1800s. Uh, it's called the Athesium. Uh, the Anathesium. I want to say that's how it's pronounced. Could be wrong. But anyways, I used to go there a lot. And then uh, apparently Lovecraft would go there sometimes. And if you go down in the basement, that's where some girl broke up with him. hey So if you want some history, Oof. some some writing history and want to be where some sad boy got broken up by some girl, go down to the Athesium, hang out in the downstairs basement area. That's where it all happened. There's a lot of heartbroken ghosts around there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure... I, I have a theory H.P. Lovecraft's spirit still dwells through the city of Providence because that is a, there's something about that city. It just ha- it has like a very anxiety vibe. I don't really know what it is. Like when I lived there for a year, I felt anxious all the fucking time. I mean, besides other crap that was going on in my life, but it like the city itself just had like an anxious feel. I, hmm. And uh, what is it? I visited H.P. Lovecraft's grave, which... When he died, he actually didn't have a gravestone. Uh, it wasn't until like a bunch of fans came together and got him a gravestone because he was buried underneath the family headstone because H.P. Lovecraft was... W- when he was born, he was born into an affluent family. But about the time he was... And then his dad died when he was five. And then his grandfather sort of raised him and got him into literature and reading like scary stories and things like that. But then I want to say his grand like his grandfather had, like had a strong business, but it uh something happened to it. Like it just sort of like all of a sudden just like crashed 
and so then his H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and his, his he lived with his mom and his grandfather, who I think ended up killing himself after the crash of the business. And he basically lived with his mom, and they were really poor. Uh, I've passed by the two houses that they lived in Providence many times, but um, he lived with his mom. I want to say like until he was like thirty when he married. Uh, this woman and moved to New York City and then he was like he never his entire time living he never was able to live off of his writing he just had to like do odd jobs and he wrote these stories while also dealing with from what I can pick up based this wasn't the terminology back then but it seems like he just since he was young like dealt with like extreme panic attacks which explains his anxiety filled storytelling and uh, just always having this giant fear Plus, also, H.P. Lovecraft had agoraphobia. He apparently wouldn't go outside that often. Uh, on top of that, he was extremely racist and xenophobic. He didn't like uh, Europe certain European nationalities coming over. And he, in his younger years, wrote some like racist poetry. But Oof. that's H.P. Lovecraft for you. Yeah, do you remember when authors couldn't live off their writing and now you've got Idiots like Stephanie Meyer being millionaires. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, in a way, it technically isn't that a good thing that more people can live off of it. I know, but I know. Just let me let me be bad bitter about it. Becomes pop. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you that it's like pop stuff. Like just pop writing will always. I guess it's just pop in general. Like with any whatever art we're talking about, pop any sort of pop art will do better than this kind of stuff by H.P. Lovecraft. Well, no, because Edgar Allan Poe, he was well known. He was famous. The Raven became a household yeah, known story, but it still just earned him a very measly amount of money because authors. It was still a very not you know not considered a noble career. Right, because back then artists. Whatever sort of art you were doing, you pretty much were doing it because you loved it, not for the money, which is why anyone should really do any sort of art. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Edgar Allan Poe, I mean, he never got like rich. I feel like most writers throughout history never really got rich. Like some were, were basically like maybe upper middle class. It probably wasn't until like around like Stephen King era that authors could actually get rich off of writing. Not saying that Stephen King's bad. He's a great writer. It's 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 just the way that things have gone. I mean, and also you you can publish way more books than you could back then. It was way harder to publish, so only mm. the well-off could really buy books because they were so expensive. Yeah, and I mean Stephen King too is someone we won't cover for a long ass time because his books are just huge, and covering one of those in a week is yeah, a good Lord. quite a feat. So until we do this full time, if that happens. Sorry, Stephen King will have to be in the yeah. future. But yeah, so this story, Color Out of Space. I mean, the first color thing... Color or color out of space? Whatever. Listen. <laughs> um, no, because they changed the spelling for the movie, which kind of bummed me out. I was like, why would you do that? Well, the movie but did whatever. a few things that bummed me out. But all right, so this story is centered around, you know, a young... Traveler. I, I like this is such an old way of telling stories of, you know, you're traveling and you encounter this wild tale from someone. Um, Frankenstein is like this as well. But 
yeah, this young traveler heads to Arkham, Massachusetts, and discovers this dried, blown-out land, the scar of land, and wants to know the story behind it, and he gets really spook-spook vibes, and um, he meets a man who lives in a cottage near this accursed area who tells him this really messed up story of a meteorite that fell out of space that's made of this substance. Scientists couldn't figure out what it was, and then it drove the Gardner family crazy. And holy shit, it is way spookier than I thought a story from then. I don't know, I've read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft, I hadn't encountered this one before, but definitely horrifying. Like, great job, H.P. H.P. Which we chose this one because H.P., because we just went through the Harry Potter series. We wanted to make sure that we stick, <laughs> keep doing some Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, I knew um. that. I <laughs> 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 like, came to my head, like, last night, I was like... Oh, weird. HP, Harry Potter. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, no, the story is great and has this nice slow build to it. I love, the, like like you said, the whole listening to another person's tale and not sure whether you believe it or not. It was nice. Like, it was, it just had, like, this nice old feel to it. I yeah. love that, like, I mean, because what, like, the tale is technically, like, 50 years after the event actually happened. So, when the tale actually happened, it was before, like, motor cars and, like, any sort of, like, actual real public electricity. And I wish more horror stories would take time in the past, would take place in the past. And I like that with this story, which is one of my issues with the movie uh, same <laughs> whenever it, we get to that it was more terrifying that it happened a long time ago and especially the narrator listening to the story after the events took place but still noticing that something was wrong with that area and you know talking about how the well still gave off noxious fumes that really mm -hmm. added to the chill factor because you know, at the end of the story, you know, they're sitting there watching this sort of force go back into space, but they can tell part of it's still lingering in the family well, and that really enhanced it for me. Um, so, yeah. but thoughts, okay, so you've got this family, I think in the book, I mean, the in the story, it's three sons. They changed it and made one of them a, a girl for the movie, yes, which... that's correct. I liked her. I mean, she was a, a really interesting character, and, you know... Likes witchy stuff. My kind of girl. Awesome purple streaks in her hair. <laughs> a very much a New England girl that was into the witchcraft of the area. Yeah, I respect that. Uh, Lavinia is her name. But like the... Okay, so in this story, you've got the family member slowly losing it. And it starts off with the wife. And her husband promptly shuts her in the attic. Which is... I mean, he's a stone-cold <laughs> motherfucker. Like, that, he inst instantly puts her in the attic. The horses, as soon as they start misbehaving, he shoots the horses. <laughs> you're just like, damn, name. you're not playing around. <laughs> nah, I mean, they could have had, like, mad cow disease, like, anything like that. So it makes sense for, like, the 1800s. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, if you're forcing your wife away in the attic during that time period, you didn't... You know, they claimed, like, women going crazy was, like, hysteria. Yeah. So, it was just, 
I think it fit for the time period, like his action. See, for the time period, it worked. And then the movie found a way to modernize it, which is, you know, this hybrid creature of the mother and son, which was pretty creepy. And it also made more sense that that would be the thing locked in the attic because these days you don't just throw your wife in the attic, hopefully. I mean, I'm right. sure somewhere, but... So that was like a clever way for them to bring that aspect of the story to modern times. Um, but the movie, I don't know. The story definitely was spookier to me. The movie was going for a more campy thing. It had a very kind of Annihilation meets The Thing. Yep, exactly what I was thinking, actually. Uh, I was like, this movie is basically the, uh, the beginning of Annihilation. Yeah. Like, sort of... Because everything's there, but it's different, you know? Like prismatic right. colorful and i actually thought the way they did some of that was really beautiful um i don't know why people mm -hmm. had an issue with the color being purple it, it's you it's hard to put on film a color you quote can't describe because that's what you know the people in the story kept saying is annihilation did that well though they like they the did bubble around annihilation was was i think a better way of doing it some of what this the movie version of this story suffers from is it came after annihilation Mm -hmm. And I find way too many connections between the two. Um, for example, the son, ben, his name's Benny in the, in the movie. Benny, the older son, talks about how time is different here yeah. inside, uh, around the house. And uh, it's more like a black hole. And I'm like, but that's not how it was in the story. The story, it was like a slow build. It took place over uh, like over a year, I believe, from the beginning of the, the person's tale to the end was about a year span um, of, of this guy, of the guy going back and visiting the Gardner family and checking up on them. Which that too, it was spookier to me in the book. I mean, they cover some of that in the movie of, so the first thing that happens in the book, it was really creepy how you have, you know, the person telling the story to the, to our narrator. What's his name again? Aim? Ames? Amos? Something. A Amy? Amy. Okay. It's Amy. A-M-M-I. Right. So he's checking up on the Gardner family. And after the wife's been locked up in the attic a while, she kind of just withers away up there. And the movie did a good job of showing how, you know, this substance was changing things. Like, they zoomed in on the water a lot, which was cool. But they started zooming in on the water they were drinking before the meteorite actually arrived. So that was a, a weird decision for me but they do show that the produce is growing very beautifully and they have you know these really large tomatoes but then they taste like crap and then of course you've got like prime right. nick cage ranting and throwing the tomatoes forcefully into the garbage can which was really funny but i don't know and so it didn't, yeah it was funny and it's nicholas cagey but i felt like it didn't fit this story but at the same time they went in a different direction for the film so yeah i don't really know and then it was really spooky in the story how he's checking up on the gardeners and he discovers the wife's just perished up there and the way things die in the story is they just get gray and brittle and withered and that was really cool but it was also i think it also enhanced the spooky factor of he just wasn't willing to describe what he saw in that room because it just terrified him mm -hmm. so much like, you know enough that he's seeing this dead woman and he sees this creepy color specter go past him and down the stairs. And the book has this beautiful moment of, like, a lot of us have experienced this when you're frozen with fear. And he's just standing there on the stairs, terrified to go 
down and see what's going on in the family room, but he's hearing weird noises. And that was very well done and suspenseful for me. So, you know, like, I feel like the mom and the child merging to create this creature out of the thing, it kind of made sense for the movie. It didn't scare me as much. And that's where this this film wasn't... I, to me, it wasn't a Lovecraftian film. It was more of someone's love for a Cronenberg film. It was more like this body horror hodgepodge of of Cronenberg's stuff, like the the mother and child morphing together, the the alpacas merging together. Um, which I mean, they did some practical effects, but it was like also CGI, and the CGI didn't look as good, which I think is what kept it from being scary. When you're doing body horror stuff, just stick to practical effects because it looks so much better and just put the time and effort into that. Plus, they're doing like this um, CG movie. They had like a $12 million budget, which, you know, seems like a lot. But if you're going for really good effects, they could have toned some of that down and used their budget elsewhere, I think. So one thing that kept like the creepy factor for me from the film, I felt like there was too much dialogue. And it was really hokey dialogue. Yes, and it was like all this extra stuff, especially for like the first 20 minutes before like the meteor hits. It's like all this stuff like setting up like this, th all these things that don't really matter. Like this sort of love interest between the girl and the water treatment guy. Really unnecessary for the story because it doesn't matter. Um, and the backstory of the mayor being like corrupt yeah, the, and not the, caring, like none of that fit. No, no, none of that mattered. That you could have cut all of that out. Um, like, really, I thought I thought you could have cut out like probably about 20, 20 minutes of this film, because I personally believe horror films shouldn't be two hours long. Um, there's very few that can pull it off, and because there's just not a lot of horror stories don't have a lot of actual story. They have things that happen, and you're just basically showing these things that happen. And that's one thing that didn't work for this was they were trying to add like all these extra plots that didn't matter. What All that mattered what was what was happening with this meteorite that landed in their, in their yard and was corrupting everything around it. I have like a weird love hate for them adding Chong because I kind of didn't like his character at first, but at the end, his final scene was actually pretty fucking dope. Yeah, that that was a well-done creepy moment, I thought. Especially because the voiceover at the beginning and the end, and then that scene where they discover him, is the times they take the dialogue straight out of the story. And it mm -hmm. actually made for a really it good works. moment. Yeah. And then, you know, the movie... It had some other things where... I hate in movies, it's like when someone coughs blood, they're going to die. These are certain things movies always do. And anytime you zoom in on someone chopping veggies, they're going to cut a finger. And that's exactly what happens. Like, they had a lot of these sort of movie cliches that yeah. I don't think make for good horror. Um, oh, no. Or when you close the fridge door, there's always someone behind it. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't like that. And then anytime they brought up drugs, it sounded like the person writing the dialogue was someone who's never done drugs. Because you had the yep. daughter, when Lavinia comes up to the house and the mom's like, where is your brother? And she's like, oh, he's probably smoking dope with so-and-so. And it's like the way it was written, it was just like, this doesn't feel authentic. Or, you know, when she's with her brother 
and they're looking down at the well, the younger brother, Benny. Um, she said yeah. something like, dad smoked too much, he had, no, he took too much acid in the 70s with the hippies. And it's like, you don't need that qualifier. No one talks about acid like this. Like, what are you doing? Well, that's part of where the dialogue didn't enhance the story at all. It's just sort of just throwing these lines out that sort of, it doesn't really like add to character in any sort of way. And so it was completely unnecessary. It didn't add to the story. It didn't really add to people's characters. Really, I don't know much about... Can, can I just jump into, like... I'm just going to list off a bunch of issues that I have with choices that they made. <laughs> Is that cool? Oh, yeah, of course. So, first off, I don't like that it's set in modern times. It doesn't make sense. Um, because, one, uh, the story in the book, it's supposed to s affect other people as well around them. Like, they're supposed to be, like, a, it's supposed to be a small town in the middle of nowhere. It's, like, outside of a city somewhere, uh, outside of Arkham. And so you have, like, this small town, and there's other people whose farms somewhat get affected in the story just because they're, like, on the, out, like on the perimeter of the effect of this. And so they start moving away as well. There's, like, that sort of aspect. L another thing I don't like that the film did was rush everything. Everything happens in, what what would you say, like five days maybe in the movie, whereas yeah, in the, the book story, it's a year. It's over a year. Oh, yeah, it's over a year. And, and they I jump like into, the whole, sorry, like, they really jump into mm -hmm. the really creepy stuff happening, whereas there's this kind of slow build in the story of, I think at first it's the 14-year-old son who notices the trees are moving when there's no wind. And of course, because he's young, no one believes him until the wife sees it for herself, which I think was also very telling right. of the time, like kids didn't matter. Um, so that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, like, yeah, you automatically have the wife is so far gone. She's cutting her fingers. Creatures are already showing up where you could have had more of that slow dread of something's just not right. And we don't know exactly what yet. Exactly. And that's where it's more interesting from the perspective of an outside person like Ami, Amy, Amy, whatever you pronounce his name in the book, where he just keeps coming back trying to check up on these people. And I think that's where if they were going to add anything to a story and build a story off of someone, they should have stuck with Aunt Amy because really adding story to the family isn't interesting. What's interesting is coming back, checking up on them, and seeing what new weird shit is happening instead of just following the family around the entire time. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. And also watching them get slowly ostracized by their neighbors because their farm is just off and it's creeping everyone out. Right, exactly. Because they said it, like, supposedly Nicolas Cage's family is in the sticks. Based on what I saw of the shots, it didn't really seem like they were in the sticks to me. Maybe New England sticks are different than the sticks that I mostly see, though I lived in New England for a year and it, I don't know, it just, it just seemed off. Like it didn't, that house didn't seem like it was in the middle of nowhere. They didn't really have a farm. So when the tomatoes got corrupted and Nicolas Cage was eating them, he, he didn't really say anything about them. He was just like eating them and then tossing them in the garbage. And it's supposed to be the family can't, the family's sort of also starving to death. So the family's also going delirious from malnutrition in the book whereas in the movie there's kind of no point for them to not be like have like other food they live like 12 miles to like some the nearest city it's i don't know it's just 
they it seemed like they didn't have a big enough farm that they would actually really live off of. No. And That's also, just... it was it made more sense in the story for the time period of they've always lived there and the city folk has, have always looked down on them and don't believe the local tales versus in the movie, for some reason, you know, they choose to move out here because they've allegedly inherited Name's family farm. And, mm-hmm. but then when the hydro- hydralist guy shows up, Nicholas Cage has this reaction of, "Ugh, where are you from, Boston?" And it's like, "You just moved out here. You're you're speaking with the disdain of a local who's been looked down upon for years, but you just inherited a family farm and now you just hate city people." It didn't really make sense to yeah. me. Well, they obviously wanted to be like, "Hey, we know HP Lovecraft, so we're going to have a character that's from Providence." Yeah. That's really what I got out of that whole exchange. It was like, "We know HP Lovecraft because we read up on him a little bit i didn't enjoy it as much as i thought i would i mean i liked some of it it was just in comparison to the short story it's just not as good like everything was too quick quickly happening there wasn't like this nice droning feel of dread i I know you mentioned that earlier and that's what a true hp lovecraft story is is this sense of dread because that's really what hp lovecraft felt his entire life so and he put it into his stories yeah i was thinking i might be, it wouldn't be it'll be one of those situations where i'm the only one who's not a big fan because the reviews were great um i found this like reddit discussion everyone's talking about yeah. how much they love the movie and i'm just thinking you know it's probably that some people haven't read the story they don't have that comparison of how awesome it could have been i'm not trying to sound like above right. it or anything but if you look at them side by side i mean it's clear one was very spooky, and the movie was just kind of like, okay, it's a thing. It's not terrible, but it's not on the same level. But it, yeah, like, and to me, it didn't feel like an H.P. Lovecraft story. It was more Cronenberg mixed with Annihilation, and so it just, it fell flat to me because I was expecting something else. Yeah, and it was cool. So Rod was listening to the story with me, and he had a really good point of the way they describe the substance Parts of it sounded like it could be a sort of radiation because you had this unknown thing that was glowing and changing Mm -hmm. things around it. And it would be really cool if Lovecraft was writing about... Like, I know they've... It's a thing where authors kind of predict things. But I wonder if this was like... I mean... Oh, I don't know. A weird idea of what a radiating element would look like. I mean, he might. uh, H.P. Lovecraft was a huge fan of astronomy and sciences in general. And you can tell because when he's describing all the tests the scientists did on this material, he's talking about a lot of really legitimate ways of determining elements. And that was a really cool element to add. Why I used element again. Whatever. That was a really cool detail to add, especially to, you know, show that even... In universities, when they try to figure out what it is, they can't. It's not something on from this planet. And then the fact that it the sample disappeared on them was really cool, too. Like, he mm-hmm. leaves a lot of questions that he never answers, and that makes for good horror, like, when you don't know everything. Which I think is what sometimes people struggle with when making a H.P. Lovecraft visual medium, is you're not supposed to know everything. You're supposed to only get a glimpse of the whole and the issue is people this is the issue with i think modern day horror in general is they always want to show everything and they want to be like oh look how grotesque we can get and it's like that's not really what's scary is grotesqueness what's scary is 
the unknown. And um, like, like for H.P. Lovecraft, his, his views on human life in general was that we were insignificant upon the unwavering wrath of the cosmic universe, that at any moment we could just be wiped out by the universe around us. And so it's just, it, his stories are about just being insignificant and not really having control. And, and basically that he, he was in contrast to a lot of writers in New England at that time that he, he wanted to talk about how insignificant humans were versus people thinking that human life is the most important thing in the universe. Very true. Uh, a nihilist before his time. But another really cool thing in the story is you don't know what's happening to the children. You've got them disappearing. And yeah. that was really cool and creepy as the youngest boy goes to get water from the well and then all they find is like this fucked up pail and his crinkled up lantern and they don't find a body. And then at the end, they find the boy's bodies in the well, like they pull out their skeletons. And that was so like masterfully done, but you still don't know exactly what happened with them. You just know this thing is growing and it feeds, but you don't know how it went down. Exactly. And that's where movies like annihilation kind of pulled off an hp lovecraft feel better where yeah annihilation like you would see so many things you're wondering well how did this happen it's interesting like these type of horror stories are interesting from an outsider's perspective seeing it happen isn't really what's interesting witnessing the aftermath is what's interesting and it's i don't know they Apparently, there's a couple other movies that were based off of this story, so I wonder if they did it any better. I know there was the 2012 indie film that was also uh, called The Color Out of, Color Out of Space. I, don't know, I wonder if it did it any better, but uh, it just... They didn't pull off of an H.P. Lovecraft movie, in my opinion. True. And I'll, you know, I'll rave about Annihilation anytime. It's a... <laughs> probably one of my favorite sci-fi things to happen recently i know everyone because it came out on the same time as arrival everyone prefers arrival and i'm like it's not even a competition but if it was i'd still pick annihilation it just it <laughs> was scary in the, all the right ways and beautiful yeah but um but yeah that's the other thing you know i don't um sorry yeah, no, no, I mean, I was just gonna say. Uh, s speaking of annihilation, sometimes I go onto forums on the internet, and whenever there's any uh, like a picture of a bear or anything, I then post the bear scene from Annihilation, because I love <laughs> helping show beautiful scenes to people in films. Mhm, mm and that's the thing you can show. Like I think it captured better the idea of, it's a thing out of space and it's doing kind of dangerous things to the landscape but it wasn't intending to be evil in Annihilation it's just how this thing behaves whereas right. in the movie it's just like was out to get them and it was capturing them with these kind of feelers and dragging them and like it yoinks the sheriff up into the tree like that seemed more like a targeted thing whereas if it just was the desolation it was supposed to be right but it wasn't necessarily trying to target individuals it just latched onto any energy that's really cool yeah and so, and this is that reminds me of what the film something that the film did where it's sort of like that really trippy sequence that they did towards the end and then they show a great giant cosmic beast spoiler alert. oh well um 
<laughs> and it was kind of weird. It was like they did that because they think that love. It was like they did that because they think Lovecraft is only the the ancient one stories, which not all of H.P. Lovecraft's stories are about the ancient ones, and I don't think The Color Out of Space is about the ancient ones. It's just, if anything, the story is, like, reading it and knowing about H.P. Lovecraft's life of sort of coming from an affluent family, losing it all, and then life just getting worse and worse for him uh, over time. Uh, I think he ended up dying of, like, lower intestine cancer, if I remember correctly, which probably was stemmed from all of his constant stress, xenophobia, and anxiety. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, but uh, it's like people only think H.P. Lovecraft is this, is like Cthulhu and these giant ancient ones that just don't care about anything, only about power, and there's nothing you can do about it. Which, I mean, yeah, some yeah. of his stories are, but I didn't think the color out of space was. It was like they just sort of threw that in because maybe that's what they expect the population to think of when it comes to yeah, and I don't think you don't have to make things happen in their respective time periods, but you have to think about what are your limitations if you modernize a film. And part of it is it's supposed to be a spooky thing out in the middle of nowhere, which makes sense for something cosmic to happen that people wouldn't hear about or notice. But if you actually had this massive tunnel of energy going back to its homeland, like they did at the end, this, you know, massive wormy, like a big wormhole, people would notice that. You can't, I don't know. It was, um... Yeah, especially when Arkham's only 12 miles away. And especially, like, if it's in modern times that happens, you have a million people videotaping it. Exactly. H.P. Lovecraft is supposed to be, you don't know whether this is real or not, whether you can actually trust the viewpoint of whoever you're following. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have enough... I don't know, I was about to say maybe they didn't have enough budget for this film, but I was like... Really, if you just made the story, wrote the script in a different way, I don't think you would have needed a large budget. And honestly, no. pro they probably wasted too much money on the CGI, like, light tentacles coming out and grabbing people, which is just yeah. not fun, in my opinion. Like, that stuff's not scary to me. Like, something aggressively coming and attacking is not scary there are certain things i think it did do well the soundtrack i was good with i think the way they gradually had the kind of pink purple hue invading things mm -hmm. was really cool and i liked the special effects as far as you know showing this oversaturated farm of pretty things you can't eat at first that was cool and you had this like kind of pink praying mantis with wings Parts of that were cool. Right. But, yeah, they overdid it on the latter half. And, oh, yeah, so the color, I don't know, they had really cool ways it popped up. Like, it was in the ice, and then when Nic Nicolas Cage is getting the rash, the rash is pink, if you look at it. They have it kind of really covered up, but when you look at the exposed parts, it's that pinkish color. And then, you know, especially after they visit the cabin where Tom is and then the sheriff gets snatched, like, there's a lot of pink foliage in the forest to mm -hmm. show where how far it's reached but yeah. beyond that i don't know <laughs> like i say like my favorite scene was actually the cheat uh, uh the chong uh ending sequence that was like the most creepy section and actually felt like the story i thought benny going down the well was stupid 
Yeah. It was like, cause they were getting ready to leave, and then he's just like, oh, no, we need to save the dog. I get it. It's your dog. And maybe, you know, this meteorite alien entity is affecting your mind in some way. And you're but it just, to me, it just felt kind of random and just sort of forced. I don't know. It just it didn't work. No. And, yeah, I know what you mean. That end sequence, like, that, that really... I think was appropriate to the end of the story. I mean, I still prefer the story version where they're just all watching scared from the house as Mm. like this color is like pulsating and then it kills the horse and the guy's just like helpless because he said, you know, no matter what, I was not going to go outside. Right. And the movie did kind of pull off that idea of like, I like the way they showed the sort of field of this energy of, like it, they kind of paused part of their bodies and had like the dragging color of their movements. That was fun. I did that like was really that, cool. Yes. Absolutely on board with you there. That was uh, that was <laughs> some cool. There were some cool effects that they did, especially that because like they were bringing in the whole time sort of element, so it really worked with that. I, I, another one thing that I was a fan of in the film was sort of it wouldn't have worked in the regular story, but it worked in the film because of how they did it was. Like Nicolas Cage sort of visualizing his family in the living room and stuff. All that I thought was interesting. Well, and in the story, they do something kind of similar because the dad is, he's sensing their energy still around and he's mentioning like so-and-so, they're in the well now. And like they found a way to communicate with each other through right this being of like they're kind of all linked in a different way now because it's absorbed them. So he thinks he's still communicating with his living family members, but really they're just all affected. Right, exactly. And that was cool. But that's how the movie chose to show it. And that was, yeah, that was well handled. And I like that, um, what was it, a subverting your expectations where the sheriff comes in with a shotgun and then they go. He, Nicholas Cage takes them up to the top into the attic where the abomination mother and son Cronenberg monster was uh there and then they don't shoot it nicholas cage just sort of pops back in and is like they're not really my family yeah Bam. that was actually a good line i thought i don't know it was, it was so <laughs> that was a really funny it was but it was one of the few times i thought the humor they were going for worked because the rest of the movie they have him putting on a weird voice and i'm like i don't know why he's doing this strange sort of accent and that's Nicholas Cage. He was just kind of doing Nicholas Cage antics, but that one, I was like, okay, you actually got me to laugh. I still don't think this is a horror movie where they needed to have the humor in. If they did the story the way the story is done, no, the, but they didn't. And it's this is a, a sort of a weird thing to talk about because of how and they're similar, but they're so different. The mm-hmm. the adaptation, the adapted form, and it's. I wonder if I would have like liked the film if I hadn't read the short story and that's where maybe most people who have given it good reviews because they they're coming in not knowing the uh the the despair of the short story and the movie just is kind of campy has like a sort of a an 80s horror feel less not like a slasher but like all the I keep mentioning Cronenberg there's a bunch of other body horror 80s filmmakers out there i mean i there's good stuff like that i think i still would have not liked 
Because this movie was corny where it wasn't intending to be. And none of the yeah. dialogue felt right. And then, honestly, when he's kissing his wife on the porch, it was just kind of gross. There was nothing romantic about the two of them, and I didn't. Well, I did not like them. I kind of did, because it was sort of, they're getting older, and clearly he's not as attracted to her anymore, and she sort of mentions that, and he's trying to make her, he's trying to basically play that that husband that, uh, well, is, is But in what world is Nicolas Cage less attractive than the lady that plays his wife? Because holy shit, she still got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I love that actress, and... It also didn't explain things very well. Like, I read in a synopsis, it's supposed to be that she's got a double mastectomy. And that's why she thinks he won't find her attractive anymore. But where in the movie did they make it clear that what was go- that's what was going on? Yeah, they only mentioned randomly that it was, like, right after they were trying to have sex. And then the meteor hits and the, the cops all show up the next day. He was, yeah. like, it, was a, it interrupted uh, us doing our thing. It's you know, it's been six months since the surgery, but they never said what the surgery was. Mm-hmm. Why would someone be less attractive when someone got a vasectomy? I'm like, hey, hell yeah. Sounds perfect. No, like she got a double mastectomy. Oh, it was a mastectomy. Oh, okay. That's yeah. So that's why she was feeling self-conscious. Gotcha. But yeah, the movie didn't really explain that to us. We're just forced to think, you know, we're made to think for some reason his really hot wife isn't good enough for Nicolas Cage. Like, what? <laughs> but, and then I also hated that scene where... Okay, so another thing about this, because it's, eight, you know, dated, because you're getting the story after, you know, the strange times happened, as they describe it, mm-hmm. you don't know what the fuck happened. And then in the movie, I understand you have to show things more in a film, but they went so far as to show the home planet that this thing came from through Lavinia's sort of hallucination. It What? Why? Why do we need to see that planet? That makes it so much less creepy. Well, because, you know, you need to waste a bunch of money on all that stuff. So I'm going to mention another film that sort of pulled off the alien thing better that I recently saw. It's a very indie film called The Vast of Night. I don't know if you've seen it or not. No. That does the whole creepy, you're not sure what's going on vibe really well. And that, actually, that movie had a lot of dialogue, and the dialogue was written so well and, like, really helped you travel through the story uh, based on how the dialogue was done. And it doesn't, like, the movie, it's so low budget, it doesn't really show much at all. And there's this one sequence um, with this old lady, and it's, she pretty much steals the show for me. And the way, because she's like describing what happened years ago. And that's the reason why I'm sort of bringing this up. And what I was sort of expecting from this film was going to be more of almost the entire time you're sort of listening to this person's tale and then it's sort of going into, it's showing a little bit of like what, what happened. And personally believe that would have worked for this story better if they did something like that, kept like you're talking to this creepy older person, not sure whether to believe them or not. They're slightly insane because what happened then affected them. So highly recommend The Vast of Night. Uh, if anyone wants to check that out, um, I'm not, I really don't know if I would recommend this film or not. I recommend the story. Good Lord, it's a good story. Yeah, cool. 
I guess the movie put it on if you have nothing else going on. Like, expect a campy kind of horror film. So for me, I mean, this story, 10 out of 10, movie, 6 out of 10. Yeah, which kind of actually fits what the IMDb says. I think it was it got a 6.7. Rotten Tomatoes has a, like a 90. Yeah, the IMDb. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes was like 86% when I looked at it. IMDb was 6 point something. And I was like, I'm more with the IMDb crowd. And then on this Reddit thread, everyone was gushing about it. So I went in with really high expectations. <laughs> and I was, you know, kind of disappointed. That's how I felt with the, uh, when I saw Mandy, the other Nicolas Cage film that came out a few years ago. Everyone was talking about how it was like the demonic version of John Wick. And then I was going in with like these John Wick action expectations. And it's not really what I got. And was disappointed yeah and honestly if you're going to show a creepy woods this kind of saturated like these were just saturated pretty woods i thought if you want to do creepy woods everyone go watch the witch because if you want a sense of building dread Mm -hmm. every time they show the forest in that movie and then when the younger brother is like trapped in the briars fucking goosebumps that is how you do creepy forest Black Gary. And that's what I wanted. Black Gary. <laughs> Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> Such a great fucking movie. I, I recommend it to everyone, but yeah. that that is a perfect horror movie to me. Yeah, that's a perfect New England horror. That was Yeah. That's how you make New England seem like it has like ancient spirits around. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's what I, that's what I was saying. Like it seemed like the location that they chose, it didn't really feel right. It just wasn't right for the story. But um, you know, I really recommend you guys. You have company over, have a bonfire, or if you're just at home, make yourself a cup of, you know, some mold wine, some hot chocolate, curl up on your favorite armchair and listen to the Vault of Lovecraft because they did a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, and listen to some from the source, tried and true. Creepy as hell, Lovecraft is my recommendation. I also, you know, maybe if you're if you're really up to it, you just you just keep re-listening to our podcast because you're just like hearing our voices. You're just sipping on your sipping on your old fashioned <laughs> next to the next to the bonfire on your sofa. I don't know why your sofa is out next to a bonfire, but you know you do you, and just, just listen I want to a our sofa out by a bonfire. Our lovely, our lovely voices. <laughs> They're okay. Um, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say on this. Um, no, I'm just excited for the fall. I'm excited for Halloween. I'm glad we're done with Harry Potter, as fun as it was at times. God damn, I have so much Harry Potter on the brain. I want to shout out, okay, thank you, seriously, we have so much support. For the number of listeners we have, I can tell y'all are replaying us for whatever reason. People have told me they've been replaying episodes. Damn. So much appreciation. I appreciate the hell out of that. Um, I know I can barely listen to it more than once to make sure everything sounds okay. I don't even so, like editing you know. it. <laughs> <laughs> Would I listen to this podcast if I didn't make it? Who the fuck knows? Probably not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeez, we're doing a bad job at this. Hey, no, seriously, um, if you can, you know, follow us on Spotify, leave us a review. You can be mean in the review. Be honest. We appreciate it. Um, shout out to everyone telling us, you give us, you know, five stars. Yeah, give us five star, but tell us we're pieces of shit. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm here for that. Write us an email. Tell us things you want us to cover. We have some things planned out. We're kind of doing thematic sort of months, but that might change in the future. We've got some really fun ideas coming up. We're going to keep the spooky thing going and, like, 
well, spooky and dark themes for October. We're doing I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yep, by Ian and Reed, and then was uh, turned into mm-hmm. a film by Charlie Kaufman, who is one of my favorite writers slash directors, so I'm looking forward to talking about yep, that one. Yep, yep. I mean, my favorite movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Such I could watch one. that and cry till I die. Um, but, yeah, send us an email. Follow us on Instagram. I've decided to draw shitty things for each episode, but, you know... You, you'd be hey, updated. It looks good. We'd, it we'll looks good, Andrea. <laughs> you shut up. You're oh, a goddamn shit. artiste. <laughs> You're a fucking um, artiste and you, you own that shit. Fuck, sure. Thank you. Um, but yeah, follow us there for updates. We'll try to keep posting, you know, clips, ideas, what we're going to cover the next week. Obviously, we'll, we'll try to tell you, but not always. You know, maybe keep a little suspense. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh... Thanks to everyone for listening, for making it all the way through. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Stay spooky, stay safe, and read a damn book. Specifically, I'm thinking of ending things, because that's what we're doing next. So It's not too long Yeah, either, read along so. with us. All right, we're going to stop rambling now. Uh, all right, cool. We're done. Adieu. <laughs> Get out of here. Poisoning everything. Changing everything. Into something like the world agrees. Into what it knows. We all know what's coming. But we can't give it away.